Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very multifaceted individual from the US, Mr. Mark Levy. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ash. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Mark is the owner of Levy Innovation Inc. He's often been called the big sexy idea guy. He's been elected into the Million Dollar Consulting Hall of Fame. He's a strategy expert, a branding expert. He's a writer, a magician, a keynote speaker. So with such an amazing kind of uh, width of things that you've been doing, uh, let me start by asking you, Mark, tell me about your own amazing journey in brief. Oh, um, so I got to be, I, I think of myself as a differentiation expert, right? What's the thing that's going to make you own the conversation in the world? What's the point of difference? And the way I got to that was I was a director of sales and special projects of a major third largest book wholesaler in the world. Mm -hmm. So we bought millions of dollars worth of books from Doubleday and Simon and Schuster and so forth. Mm -hmm. And we sold them to bookstores. Mm -hmm. So I construed that over 14 years of doing that job, I helped them sell over a billion dollars worth of books, which is hard because books are not that expensive. So selling over a billion dollars worth of books. And so I construe that in those 14 years Mm. that over the phone, I must have done over 25,000 live pitches for money. Mm. I had to quickly take a book that a publisher would send us and I'd have to size it up. What do I think the main idea here is? What's the color involved in the book? Is it going to sell? Is it not going to sell? What's happening in the world that would affect its sales or not? And then I had to jump on the phone and sell it to people. So it was that idea of having to differentiate very, very quickly and then pitch it that to me and really when i quit that job in at the very end of 2001 ar- around 9 11 time and i started my, my own company essentially i'd look at people's businesses whether it was a giant multi-billion dollar business or a one person speaking business mm. i would look at it as if they had written a book with their business or their life mm-hmm. whether they did or not was immaterial I looked at it, it was as if it was a book. And I said, okay, with Ash's book that he's written with his life, mm-hmm. what is the main idea here? What are the subordinate ideas? What are the lessons from some of his stories? If we combined ideas that hadn't been combined before, or if we moved the subordinate idea up to the four or so forth, would that be a better selling quote unquote book? Mm-hmm. And then how would Ash pitch it to people? Right. So that's really all I do. Amazing. Amazing. You're also called the big, sexy idea guy. How did you get this particular name or title? And give me an example of how you help some of the daring brands. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great questions. You know what? I'm not sure anyone's ever asked me that question. I've been on hundreds of podcasts. I don't think I would ever. So your big, sexy idea or being the big, sexy idea guy that was purely uh no one called me that mm-hmm. uh it was a self-proclaimed title okay 
that I just came up with, like that's a demonstration of yep. kind of yep. what it is I do. Mm -hmm. And so I said, oh yeah, this is your big sexy idea and, and so forth. And uh, about what your business is about. And so when it comes to daring brands, um, um, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a background, uh, uh, well, Here's a story. So mm -hmm. one of my clients, I tend to like to tell stories about individuals mm -hmm. because I find them more relatable than if I okay. talk about a big conglomerate, which it's like, okay, I don't have $5 billion. Mm -hmm. um, so one of my, my clients hired me, Lisa McLeod. And Lisa, this was 12 years ago, 15 mm -hmm. years ago. And Lisa wanted to stand out but she had been a sales trainer at Procter and Gamble mm -hmm. and she left Procter and Gamble and she was predominantly training people on mm -hmm. other people's sales methodology. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to learn spin selling or what, whatever these things are, she would, mm -hmm. she would train you. So she wasn't standing out because she was relying too much on like commoditized uh, uh, ideas out there. Mm -hmm. And so in interviewing her, uh, I discovered she just said in passing, this was in the middle of weeks of discussions. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, in passing, she said, you know, I want to restore the nobility to the sales mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And to this, and she just said it in passing and she kept on going. At the end of several weeks, I said, okay, Lisa, Here's what you are. You're selling with noble purpose. Mm. Here's why sales don't work. Here's how noble purpose will help make sales work. Here's how you created the idea of selling with noble purpose from your life. Mm. You know, like here's the methodology and so forth. Long story short, she's been like millions plus. Wow. Continuous from that all around selling with noble purpose, leading with noble purpose and so forth. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I bring that up, Ash, is that, that all I'm doing is when I'm listening to someone, mm -hmm. I'm just listening to something that's emblematic of who they are mm -hmm. and that I think the marketplace will get really excited about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. So now let's move to talking about strategy. You sure. are a strategy expert. And the amazing thing about strategy is that everyone seems to know it and yet very few people know it, you know. But tell me, what is your understanding of strategy when you talk about it in the in in the in, the, in reference to the corporate corporate world? Oh, yeah. Um, um very simple. And a friend of mine, I'm purely uh taking a friend of mine, hmm. his his definition uh and it, it's it's he said strategy is what does winning look like mm. and how are we going to win mm. it's those two questions what does winning That's look it. like how are we going to win well said. Uh, right uh, uh, what is it what do you call because i know see i'm a strategist about a single point of strategy which is differentiation mm -hmm. but you are a multifaceted strategist mm -hmm. what's your definition of strategy well i i look at strategy in, in in multiple ways because it's defining where we want to be tomorrow how what will we do to get there who will get us there what are the resources we need to get there so there's a strategy for people there's a strategy for 
uh, funding. There's a strategy for, uh, you know, various kinds of aspects of getting to your overall mission and vision, which is also based on a strategy. Right. Uh, but I'm going to come back to you now. And uh, right. it, it's uh, strategy within strategy. Strategy within what, strategy. Right. Absolutely. And uh, since you talk of differentiation, I want to ask you, how does one develop a strategy uh, which can differentiate an organization? Um, or let's let's talk, let's change that. How does one, how does a startup develop a strategy that will differentiate it from a lot of others? Okay. So great question. Know that when you're differentiating something, mm -hmm. there's multiple ways with which to approach differentiation, Correct. right? I'm not telling you something you don't know. You could teach me about this, but I'll just say no, no, absolutely. that, you know, from your heritage or your backstory or an attribute of the product, like there's all kinds of different ideas floating out there. So mm -hmm. for instance, if you have a product that's, a hard good, like a car, hmm. you are more likely to want to differentiate around an ephemeral idea hmm. because a hard product against another hard product, if mine's 500 horsepower and yours is 600 horsepower, you win. Hmm. So you want to kind of decouple hmm. from the everyday attributes of your product and be more about an idea or hmm. a vision. Hmm. That's if it's, a, whereas it's the opposite. If you have a product that's ephemeral, like a service or so, you want to try to make that as tangible mm -hmm. and like wrapping your knuckles on it as much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Because other people are wondering, well, I'm paying you all this money. What am I getting mm -hmm. for paying you all this money? So you have to make things very tangible for people. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of strategies, both from how you approach the point of differentiation, but also kind of meta strategies on how you think about the entire thing. Mm. Um, you say with startups, with startups, um, I I would probably, I'm trying to think of all the, because I've mm. worked with so many startups. Um, a very important part of the startup is to understand why the founder or the creator of the startup mm. made the startup in the first place. Mm. Like what, what was the reason? What was the problem in the world or in their own lives that they were trying to overcome or what from their background was something that they wanted to carry forth into the future that was important to them. And they got all these people to come with them on this journey mm. to solve this problem or to take this emblematic idea and carry it forward. Mm. So the founders backstory is much more important than many, many uh, people think. Well uh, you know, well quick, exa uh, quick example uh, of this, um, Drew Houston, mm -hmm. 15 or 20 years ago, mm -hmm. Drew Houston was a student at MIT mm -hmm. and he was a computer scientist. And the story goes is that it was the end of the semester and he just had to finish up a program mm -hmm. that he was writing, a computer program. And he had this great opportunity because he had to take a bus ride mm -hmm. from Boston, where MIT was, to New York City, which was five hours away. Mm -hmm. So he said, perfect. 
five uninterrupted hours in order to finish the program. That's exactly what I need. He boards the bus. Remember, this is 15 or 20 years ago. That's this is very important to the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the bus starts moving and he takes out his computer, mm -hmm. but he realizes that his program that he needs to finish is not on his computer that he's mm -hmm. been working on all semester. Mm -hmm. And then he checks to see a thumb drive, like, oh yeah, I have it on a thumb drive. He checks his pockets, it's not there either. And he realizes he left the thumb drive on his desk mm -hmm. at MIT in Boston. Mm -hmm. And so now he has a five hour trip in order to finish this thing, but he doesn't have the program with him. And he's so angry. And it's not that he's angry at himself so much. Mm. He's angry. He said, here I have this thing called a computer on my lap. Mm. It's the most powerful tool humankind has ever created. But I'm being held hostage by this two-inch piece of aluminum and plastic, <laughs> this thumb drive thing. Yeah. The most powerful tool in human history should not be held hostage by that little thing. Mm -hmm. So Drew Houston opened up a document and he started to put down notes that were coming to him. And by the time the bus stopped in New York City five hours later, he had the beginnings of a company that he would call Dropbox. Wow. Which today, right, is worth, I don't know how many billions, $20 Actually. billion dollars or what. But it's all because it, it, it's he knew that we should not, as, as a species, be held hostage Incredible. by our weakest link. Incredible. You know, we were letting a weak link hold our strengths back. And mm. so everyone, and Drew Houston, I've read about that, like he used to tell that story all the time, mm. initially upfront when they were trying mm. to get money and so forth for Dropbox. So the author, the founder's backstory is hugely important. Amazing. What an amazing story. Thank you for sharing this. Uh, a couple more questions on strategy and then we'll move to brands. Uh, you did give me the story of Dropbox, and therefore I'm tempted to ask you this next question, which is, how does technology become a differentiator for strategy? And if you look at it in the context of artificial intelligence, machine learning, the robotics, the metaverse, uh, there's the chat GPD, the whole world is going crazy with technology. Right. Um, my my initial answer, so I tend to, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. I tend to need to understand things in specifics. Mm. So in other words, I might have a different answer mm. if there was a specific situation. Sure. And then based on that situation, I'd say, boom, mm. that's the thing. And this is why we need to do it. But when you talk about differentiating around technology, that of course is often fraught because competitors can come after you okay. right away, mm -hmm. depending on whether you own the platform or not. Mm -hmm. But I would say uh, an important part of differentiating a piece of technology is differentiating around what problem your technology is solving in people's lives mm -hmm. and to focus on how the people are different after working with your technology, the marketplace, mm -hmm. how are their lives? How have they changed? Um, even after your technology is not part of the scene, mm -hmm. how are they different? How are they better? And you pick something from there and you differentiate around that. Mm -hmm. Again, 
That's very, uh, uh, no, no, that very fascinating. A generalization very that would be my go-to. Very, very it's fascinating. It's human beings. You're solving human problems. Correct. Correct. So look at what the human problem is. Correct. So now let let's move to brands, uh, and then I also want to ask you one question on Steve Cohen on on, on you as a magician because I see oh, the sure. poster of Steve Cohen, and I you say you're a magician also. Yeah, but sure. let's talk about brands. How do you support? brands as an expert? Oh, my job um, in supporting brands, you mean in the creation of a brand? It, as, as a branding expert, what is what kind of work are you doing? Oh, uh, I don't really call myself a branding expert. Thank you for calling me that. See, now okay. I can call myself that because you just called me that. <laughs> okay. I call myself a differentiation expert. Okay. So what it is, my part of the process what it normally is, is I say to myself, in your business or mm -hmm. in your product or in your service, what is the single point that is going to freak people out? Mm. What is the thing that the marketplace, whether it be B2C or B2B, mm. there's something uh, and there's an attribute or a part of your story or so where people will just not be able to stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to tell their friends about it. You're going to own the conversation. Even when you're not around, the conversation's going to shift to be about you and what it is you've done. So that's what it is I'm looking for. What's the thing here? What's the idea that's so powerful that it's mm -hmm. going to work almost independent of you? Mm -hmm. And now, how do we bring that to the fore with you being behind it? Okay. So that's really my entire, so with brands, what's that idea? And now how does that idea appear throughout your brand mm. in, in many different manifestations? Mm. For, for my, my viewers and listeners to understand what you're doing, uh, can you share an example of what you've done with somebody's brand? I mean, you can exclude well, the name of the brand, of course. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, so for example, uh, um, well, you were mentioning Steve Cohen, mm -hmm. right? You mentioned, so yep. why don't I, uh, just because that comes to mind. So Steve Cohen, 20 odd years ago, mm -hmm. came to me. He was a professional magician, mm -hmm. and but he was undifferentiated from the rest of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So people were looking at him as a commodity. They were not paying him the money his kind of talent deserved. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I studied the marketplace mm -hmm. and I made sure, uh, I tried to see where other magicians had a claim on the marketplace. Mm -hmm. You know, David Blaine was the street magician. Chris mm. uh, Angel was the goth magician. Penn and Teller were the bad boys of magic. All these different things. And I noticed that one place that no one had a claim on had to do with doing magic for the filthy, decadently rich. Wow. Like okay. people who just had insane amounts of money mm. and could easily hire whoever it was that they wanted mm. because... And by the way, not only could they hire whoever it is they wanted, but whoever it is they wanted had to be great because mm. they had to know how to navigate in such a demanding marketplace. Correct. So with Steve, remember, so with Steve, when he came to me, he used to perform in a t-shirt, he would like, and I said, 
but he had gone to Cornell. He had gone to a prestigious Ivy League school. He was super smart. He was he grew up in Chappaqua, New York, which is one of the most moneyed areas in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's a, the Clintons have their own private street there and so forth. So Steve had all these things where I said, Steve, this is you. You are going to be Steve Cohen, the millionaire's magician, entertainment wow. for exclusive events. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to elevate your fee dramatically. You can't take the lower fee gigs. We're going to fly in your clothes from England, morning coats. You're only going to perform in the most upscale dress, in the most upscale environments wow. to the most upscale people. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff, Ash, and to anyone listening, mm -hmm. this was all a strategic decision correct this was a this in other words this did not like just fall out of the sky this mm. was a decision mm. and so steve started to do that and from taking on this persona of the millionaire's magician from embracing these strengths of his that he had in his past mm. and we elevated them so his whole show changed his clothing changed where he performed changed everything was around doing magic for the decadently rich wow so he started performing for people like michael bloomberg like billionaires yeah. and so forth and long story short he now is a show, Chamber Magic, that I co-created, which is the highest rated live show in New York City on TripAdvisor, or at least it was, rated higher than even Hamilton. Okay. It's run for 22 years as I'm delivering this right now. And there's even a Chamber Magic Day by proclamation of the mayor of New York. Wow. You know, and he's had his own TV show on the History Channel and whatnot about, you know, you know, magic around the world and so forth. So all this stuff was whenever you position or whenever you differentiate, mm -hmm. you're always, it's always against something else, mm -hmm. right? You, you don't differentiate in a vacuum. Correct. There's no such thing. If you genuinely had something brand new, and mm -hmm. I rarely ever see anything totally brand new, mm -hmm. brand new things come from nature. They don't usually come from absolutely. Uh, so, um, it, you take what it is that you've created, and it's got to be not only is it using something that's very important to you from your mm -hmm. vision or a strength mm -hmm. or so, but you have to see what other people have already claimed mm -hmm. because you can't step on them because then you'll look up, be looked upon as a copycat. So you're always differentiating against what can I say that they're not saying that's important to me and yeah. important to the market. Amazing. So I've got time for only one more question. And oh. this question, Mark, is for the many, many people who will listen to this amazing story that you have shared with me. And I think what you've told me about Steve Cohen, I think is, is such a powerful example not just about differentiation and strategy, but branding, about how you really have built Steve Cohen's brand into such a different, exclusive, differentiated brand. Well, and so, Steve has had a huge amount to do with that too. I don't I'm want to- sure. No, no, I'm sure, I'm sure, yes. I'm sure, absolutely. And I know unless uh, the brand delivers, nothing, nothing works for it. So you're absolutely That's right. Exactly right. You're absolutely That's right. Exactly but right. my question to you is for the many, many people who will listen to you as a differentiation guru, if I can say that, what would you say, Mark, are three lessons 
that you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your journey, your expertise and our conversation on the subject of differentiation? Right. Uh, great question. Thank you for asking it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is you need uh, uh, to touch on something I had said earlier. You need to think about how your marketplace's life will change mm -hmm. even after you're out of the picture. Yeah, It's what can people do differently mm -hmm. that they couldn't do before you arrived? Mm -hmm. Another important thing is your point of differentiation mm -hmm. is only as good as your ability to pitch it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people come up with differentiation points and mm. they talk about them and they can't really explain them mm. or they require too much context. The def the your differentiation point has mm. to be so simple that mm. people get excited about it without you being around. Correct. In other words, if if other delicatessen serve a sandwich that's two inches high, you serve a sandwich that's 10 inches high. Correct. In a very simple way. Yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's simple. People can get mm. behind that mm. and they can love that and talk about it. Mm. Uh, and a third point is no matter what your point of differentiation is, mm. I guarantee you, 100% certain, that there is color behind it. There's mm. a fact, there's a figure, there's a statistic, there's a story. Mm. There's something about it that can make it so much more compelling in mm. people's minds mm. that it will blow them away. Yeah. So something you're already talking to people about, mm. you're, you could amp up a hundred times more powerfully yeah. based on finding the right statistic or fact or story to support it. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. And on that note, uh, Mark and your three very powerful lessons, think about how the market will change with your products. Second you sent is, you said was differentiation is only as good as you pitch it, uh, and what? How good will it? Will your will, the, will your product be without you there? Right? And the third one you said, which was find out that right story, or the right mix of products behind your differentiation, which is again such a powerful message. Uh, the other one that I picked up from you was the differentiation can only be possible when it is against something or someone else. It cannot be in isolation or on a standalone basis. Thank you, Mark, for speaking to me about your incredible journey. Thank you for talking to me about, uh, you know, daring brands, about strategy, about differentiation. And thank you for giving me this incredible story of Steve Cohen. Thank you again thank you, and sir. good luck. Thank you, Ash, and thanks to everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Brand Called You.